Hello and welcome to the Stock Storage Podcast, episode 53. Welcome to the Stock Stories Podcast. My name is Alex. I am your stock storyteller and your host for today. Welcome. Thanks for joining me for another exciting episode where we talk about different companies, etc. If you're new to the Stock Stories Podcast, what we do here on this show is we try to help you and I, individual investors, make better investing decisions. And the way that we do that is primarily through case studies of real companies. And we also talk about mental models to understand at a deeper level the the framework for how we think about investments. So last week, we talked about McDonald's. Hope you enjoyed that episode. That was fun. And then I figured let's keep going with the restaurants. So today we're going to talk about Yum Brands. All right, so Yum Brands, and that's yum with an exclamation mark. So I guess it's like Yum Brands. (laughs) But you may not have heard of Yum Brands, but Remember when we talked about Pepsi back in episode 41? If not, I definitely encourage you, if you have not listened to that episode, go back and listen to that one before this one because PepsiCo had a big role in Yum Brands as a company. And so, all right, I'll wait for you if you haven't. Okay, now you're back. Thanks for listening to episode 41. Now, remember Tricon Global Restaurants? that I mentioned in the episode. So this company was a spinoff of Pepsi back in 1997. And what Tricon was, was a basically collection of fast food chains. So they own Taco Bell, they own Kentucky Fried Chicken, and they own Pizza Hut. And then this ended up getting renamed in 2002 uh, to Yum Brands. And in the same year, they also acquired the A&W chain of fast food restaurants and Long John Silver's. So they renamed it, uh, and that's kind of where Yum! Brands originated from. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the beginning. They've expanded since 2002. They made a bunch of different divestments and acquisitions over the years. So for example, they actually got rid of A&W and Long John Silver's. If you notice in America, you'll hardly ever find those restaurants, especially relative to the density of Kentucky Fried Chicken or Taco Bell or Pizza Hut. You just won't really find Long John Silver's anywhere. And that's because they were kind of underperforming stores for the company. And so they got rid of them. And additionally, they expanded internationally. So they started and stopped many different concepts. And the main growth story of this company since 
that 2002, 1997 period when they got spun off has been their growth story internationally. So that's what they've been up to. They've been growing in China. They've been growing in Asia primarily. And then in 2016, they actually spun off the Chinese segment of their business. So they spun off Yum China into its own company. And this is kind of like Philip Morris International is. It's a company that's domiciled in the United States, but does business entirely outside of the United States. And in this case, Yum China specifically only does business in China, as the name implies. And so you can buy shares of just Yum China. It's not part of the S&P 500, but it is part of the Russell 1000 index. Uh, so in many cases, you get spinoffs of spinoffs of spinoffs, and these companies break apart and they merge together again. And it's kind of like this virtuous cycle of capitalism that just keeps occurring throughout the generations. So a lot of assets shuffling. But that's a really quick history of where Yum Brands comes from. Again, it kind of originated with Pepsi taking control of these fast food chains and using them as basically marketing tools for their beverages. And so they had food and beverage. Um, But then this started to get split off in the late 90s. And now Yum exists on its own. And so an overview of the business today, like I said, they got rid of a lot of different brands over the years and they tried all these different concepts But really, only three have stood the test of time. And those three brands are Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and Kentucky Fried Chicken. So one of the interesting things about Yum! Brands is that they are still somewhat tied to PepsiCo. So they have a lifetime agreement to sell only Pepsi products. So that completely shuts Coca-Cola out of any Taco Bell or KFC or Pizza Hut. Have you ever noticed, like, I don't know when the last time you've been to one of those restaurants is, but have you ever noticed that in a Pizza Hut or in a Taco Bell, you'll never find Coke products? Well, it's because of that lifetime agreement between the two companies where they basically have that exclusivity arrangement and it benefits Pepsi, all right? So that's something interesting to keep in mind there. Uh, Another thing is that... This company, Yum! Brands, they have over 45,000 restaurants in 135 countries and territories. And that is massive. That's more restaurants combined than McDonald's actually has. McDonald's has on the order of, I think think it was around 35,000 restaurants worldwide. Whereas Yum! Brands has even more. But that's because they have different restaurants, right? It's not just McDonald's. It's... You've got Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and KFC. And similar to the McDonald's franchise model, Yum! Brands follows the exact same model. So franchise restaurants, you get entrepreneurs who want to start their own business, but they want to use the brand name and intellectual property of somebody else who's already been successful. Boom, you have an agreement between franchisor and the franchisee. And that's what Yum! Brands does. One thing about Yum! Brands is that they actually have more franchises as a percentage of their stores than McDonald's does. So they have almost entirely franchise restaurants, over 97%. And these franchisees, they typically pay 4 to 6% of their sales up to the parent company. 
So this is a very similar business model to McDonald's. There's some slight differences at the margins as far as percentages of franchise stores versus company stores. And I don't know what the franchisee rate is to the parent company of McDonald's, but I would assume it's similar, maybe even a little higher than 4 to 6% because the McDonald's brand name is so strong. In fact, I would say even a little bit stronger than the Yum! Brands brand names. Another interesting thing about this company is, so we just talked about that exclusivity arrangement with Pepsi. So Yum! Brands has an exclusivity arrangement with its child company of Yum! China. So Yum! China, so say you are a person in China and you want to open a Kentucky Fried Chicken. So you open a Kentucky Fried Chicken and you pay your royalties to the parent company, which is Yum! China. Yum! China then has this exclusivity arrangement with Yum! Brands, the company we're discussing now. And Yum! China must pay 3% of its sales to Yum! Brands to license the intellectual property. So hopefully I've just not thoroughly confused you with all of these arrangements. But effectively, let's sum it up. All right. So historically, Pepsi owned Kentucky Fried Chicken, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell. Those three companies got spun off on their own, eventually becoming Yum! Brands. Yum! Brands was then growing rapidly in China and decided, hey, we're going to spin off the Chinese business as their own business, creating Yum! China. So sales of fried chicken in China then get sent to the United States to Yum! China, which then sends a portion of those profits to Yum! Brands. So even though it's a spinoff, Yum! Brands is still profiting from the sales of its products in China still. So um, that's kind of nice for shareholders that want that international growth. But since the company was spun off, maybe they don't necessarily want to purchase shares separately of that spinoff. So anyway, that's the connection between the different businesses. So as far as the leasing and like the land building arrangement, remember that McDonald's actually owns the land in the building of nearly all of its restaurants. And that gives it a unique advantage. So unlike McDonald's, Yum! may or may not own the land or building of the store, but they may offer master franchise agreements, which is something that McDonald's does not do. If you recall, McDonald's, when Ray Kroc was building McDonald's, he wanted to exercise more flexibility and control over the franchisee. So he only granted licenses for specific stores, so one store at a time. But Yum! Brands doesn't necessarily do that. They have more of the traditional regional model in some instances. And the prime example of that is Yum! China. So Yum! China has exclusive rights to sell uh, Dorito tacos and Pizza Hut pan pizzas in the Chinese economy, whereas nobody else has that right. So let's go over the basic businesses that comprise Young Brands. All right, so KFC is Kentucky Fried Chicken, and it was developed by Colonel Harland D. Sanders all the way back in 1939. And this is actually the biggest of the three. So 
there are over 21,000 restaurants in the world. And you guessed it, they sell fried chicken. So if you want your cornbread or you want a bucket of fried chicken, KFC is the place to go. Next, we have Pizza Hut. And this was actually started in Wichita, Kansas in 1958, which I had no idea Pizza Hut was from Kansas. But nevertheless, it is. So Pizza Hut, there are over 16,000 units. And surprise, surprise, they sell pizza. And they actually sell pizza a lot. So they are the largest quick service pizza chain in the world. There are other brands that are arguably more popular within the United States, but globally, they actually have the highest sales of quick service pizza. So the biggest worldwide chain is Pizza Hut. And also, I'll just include, they have the Wing Street brand in the United States. So they sell wings as well. But that's really just kind of like a co-branded United States venture that's kind of part of Pizza Hut already. And then, of course, you have Taco Bell. Taco Bell was, as I understand it, a very successful investment back when it was a standalone company, and it was opened by Glenn Bell back in 1962 in Downey, California. And this is the smallest of the three segments. They have over 6,800 restaurants, but that's a thing. The thing, I think, because they're mostly based in the U.S., I think that's restricted their growth, so they're not as popular internationally as Pizza Hut as KFC is. So Taco Bell is definitely an American type of thing. All right, so that's an overview of the three businesses that comprise Yum! Brands. And as far as order of importance, they definitely go uh, in order of, like KFC is definitely the most important. They've got the most units and they're they're seeing the fastest growth. Uh, Taco Bell is pretty popular in the U.S., and but doesn't have that international growth like we said pizza hut has the international presence but it's not growing nearly as much as the other two so that's kind of the balance and the differences between the individual businesses within yum brands but honestly we need to look at what matters right we need to look at the profit the sales of the corporation as a whole so let's look at that right now So if we look at the financial statements on the income statement for the latest year available in 2017, Yum! Brands had $5.8 billion in sales and $1.3 billion in income. Now, five years prior, or I guess four years prior to this data in 2013, Yum! Brands had $6.4 billion in sales and $1.1 billion in net income. So interesting, right? So their sales have actually gone down a little bit over the years, but their income has just increased ever so slightly. And so that income growth is at about a 4% annual growth rate. But I'm a little leery of that, frankly, because that smells like financial engineering. When your income is growing, but your sales are decreasing, that something is fishy there. That means you're probably cutting your costs so significantly that you're going to harm the business over the long term and or you're playing some games with borrowing money or other financial shenanigans. Nothing illegal, of course, but as far as not being a good steward of your shareholders' capital. Uh, But we'll get into that. So sales have decreased a little bit. Income's gone up a little bit. That's a story with the income statement. Short and simple. 
Uh, all right. So then we get into the balance sheet. Their assets have increased a little bit over the years. In 2013, they had $4.9 billion in assets. And in 2017, they had $5.3 billion in assets. So they are growing their store counts. They are growing their assets. Uh, here's the thing that concerns me with Yum! Brands in a big way. So in 2013, Yum! Brands had $2.9 billion of debt. And in 2017, Yum! Brands had $9.8 billion of debt. So this is pretty big, pretty big change. They more than tripled their debt burden in four years. And here's the thing. It was used to pay out money to shareholders, not grow the business. And we'll see that in the cash flow statement in a second. So one thing as far as the store growth is concerned that is good KFC and Taco Bell have recently grown sales by about 5% from year to year, which is good, mid-single-digit growth. But one problem is that Pizza Hut has struggled to grow sales for years. I went back over years of sales data for Pizza Hut, and Pizza Hut's just not really doing much. It, it's the biggest quick-service pizza chain internationally, but guess what that means? That means it can't really grow that much, or if it is going to grow, it needs to grow based on innovation. So... To me, that tells me that Pizza Hut has been struggling to innovate its offerings to attract higher same-store sales. All right, let's move on to the cash flow statement here. So in 2013, the operating cash flow was $1.2 billion, and in 2017, it was $1 billion. So uh, again, a decrease in operating cash, that's not good. We do not want to see profits and cash flow go down as investors we want them to go up because that shows a business is going to be more profitable in the future than it is today here i'm not getting that kind of confidence in 2017 the investing cash was 1.4 billion dollars and this was i'm just going to look at that one data point for investing cash because that's more important for this particular company they have been undergoing a lot of refranchising efforts in the past few years. So that is where that money is is coming from. They're getting money and reinvesting it in their business due to the refranchising. The financing cash has changed a little bit from year to year. So in 2015, $1 billion was going into financing cash for the business. In 2017, $1.8 billion was going into financing cash. Now, real quick, I just want to cover what financing cash is. So these are the cash flows that that are used to either finance the business or finance shareholders in some way. So when you hear financing cash, think of things like share buybacks. Think of things like shares being sold on the market or dividends being paid or money being borrowed or borrowed money being paid off. Those are the kinds of things that fall onto this side of the cash flow statement. And this is really important because it shows how the company is returning money to shareholders. So let's zoom in on this 2017 data. So they had $1.8 billion in financing cash. Of that, they borrowed a net amount of $700 million or $0.7 billion and they paid out $2 billion, more or less, in share repurchases, and they paid out $0.4 billion in dividends, or about $400 million. Here's a problem. 
let's if you combine the share repurchases with dividends, that's $2.4 billion going to shareholders in 2017. Um, now, the operating cash flow of the business in 2017, though, was just $1 billion. So think about that. If we even just look at share repurchases alone, Yum Brands spent double the money on buying back stock than they brought in in their operating cash flow. So that's a huge red flag to me. Like They're not spending money from the business's profitability. They're spending money from, <laughs> from their borrowed funds. So a little bit of financial engineering there. So the payments to shareholders are not supported by cash flows. And that's something that gives me alarm. Uh, so the price of a share of Yum! Brands right now is around $94. And... Its dividend is $1.68 a share, so about a 1.8% yield. So if we look at the share buybacks, they have repurchased a lot of shares, as I mentioned. So in 2012, going back several years in the past, they had 481 million shares. And in 2019, the most recent data I could find, they had only 320 million shares. So that's a pretty good reduction in share share count. So that's about 5.6% annual decrease. The problem with this is that this is not sustainable. They're borrowing money to buy back shares. And yeah, it appeases shareholders in the short term because your earnings per share goes up. But this is a case of company management prioritizing earnings per share growth over sales growth and net income growth, which in the long term, in my opinion, is going to harm the business. So the dividend yield is about 1.8%. Their share buybacks in the future, remember, as prospective investors, we care about what's going to happen to the business and we can't pay for the past returns of the business. We, you know, we don't get any, (laughs) we don't get any profits for paying for yesterday's growth, as Warren Buffett has said in the past. So I don't see shares decreasing by 5% annually in the future. I just don't. I think maybe 1% to 2% would be sustainable. So in my personal projection, that's what I'm saying. I think the dividend, probably sustainable at more or less 2%. Shares will decrease at probably 1% to 2% annually. And then the growth of the real profits, the growth of the earnings, or the income rather, uh, I see two to three percent growth. I don't see great things for this business from a growth perspective, unless they do something really innovative, like um, introduce Taco Bell to fifty countries around the world, and it becomes super popular. I, I don't know, but I don't see a lot of indications that that is the case. So the overall business growth, I see between five and seven percent just because of adding all those factors up. But the thing is, I think the business is kind of overvalued right now. It's trading at about 21 times earnings. And for a business with that much debt relative to its cash flows, I mean, it's got $9.8 billion in debt versus $1.3 billion in income. So that's over seven and a half years of profits with a low sales growth business. So not excited about that. So I would expect the price to earnings multiple, that valuation multiple to decrease. And then that's going to give you like three to 6% returns, maybe. I mean, you might even be worse than that if something 
uh, negative happens. And I was kind of giving some optimistic, moderate optimistic projections in those numbers. So that's kind of what I think about Yum Brands. I, I, at first, I was really excited because there's some iconic brands in its portfolio that in the past have shown excellent growth. The thing is, now, you know, they spun off Yum China. So, yeah, they get that 3% royalty, but they don't participate as directly in the growth of the business of China as they used to. So, that's kind of a bummer. And then also, like Pizza Hut, just not really doing anything anymore. I don't know about you, but in the United States, like, I don't really buy Pizza Hut because I think it's kind of gotten a bad reputation compared to other brands like. Papa John's, some people love Papa John's, and uh, Domino's is huge now. Like, Domino's growth has been uh, pretty big, which I think, if, is Domino's in the S&P 500? I think it is. I'll have to study that one soon. But it's just been, get, been getting beaten out by other pizza chains, at least in the U.S. So, uh, KFC, it's growing internationally, uh, which is kind of the the bright spot here and yeah taco bell also doing all right but again this the financial management of the business is really what is a red flag to me and that's a big risk so they're gonna have to pay off that debt at some point and they don't really have the cash flows to do it so uh yeah i'm gonna stay away from young brands but that's my personal opinion Again, I'm not your financial advisor or investment advisor. You're responsible for your own decisions, etc. But that's the information I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening to Stock Stories. I really appreciate it when uh, you guys reach out to me and uh, let me know your opinions and thoughts or have ideas on companies. I've been getting a couple ideas from you guys uh, listening, so I appreciate that. If you want to reach out to me, the easiest way, if you're on Instagram, that's probably the easiest way. Uh, and my Instagram handle is stock stories one. So stock stories, the number one. Or you can email me if you prefer at alex at stockstoriespodcast.com. So thanks for listening to the episode. Hope you enjoyed it. And we will see you next week. The information presented here on Stock Stories is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only. You and you alone are responsible for your investment and financial decisions. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, or financial advisor that can analyze your specific situation in the context of your goals and circumstances.